0: hello everybody welcome once again as uh we continue on in our study that we're doing through the new testament this is our 221st lesson in the new testament we're on first peter chapter 3 and uh so we've been plugging along like i said I, I think we'll be we'll be very close to being done by the end of this year with the new testament close we may not quite be done but uh we're we're heading down. We've done just everything in the New Testament, heading that direction. We've still got Second Peter and we've got uh first, second, and third John and Jude, and then Revelation. But Revelation's easy, that will take a week. So um that was sarcasm. Okay. <laughs> just letting you know. Uh but it'll be good. I'm looking forward to it all. It'll be great, uh be a great study towards the end heading through and and so uh We know what we're doing. And then I've told you right from there, we'll plug jump into the Old Testament. And that will be what we do for the next 20 years. All right? That's how long it'll take. Chapter at a time. And then, God willing, we'll start all over again. And then uh, Jesus will come back. Um, Or maybe before. I don't know when he's coming back. He doesn't have to wait for me to finish the Old Testament to come back. In any way, shape, or any time is good. Um, So we uh, have been working through the Scripture this way on Wednesdays, taking our time, moving through it, chapter at a time, um, and even at a chapter at a time, obviously we can't get to everything that's covered in a chapter, but we try and hit the highlights of what's happening, and the hope is that by reading through the Scripture and studying this way, it helps us to put it in context, so that that having spent better than four years in a study of the New Testament, um, we, we have a context now for... What's been taking place and how it happened and why the letters were written when they were written and what was going on, you know, and, and we, we saw Jesus' ministry very clearly in the Gospels. We saw the ministry of the early church in, in the book of Acts, which was, you know, really a, a bridge from the Gospels into the epistles, which is what we've been doing now. We looked at all of Paul's letters and how he was writing to a brand new church and, and answering questions that they were being raised and dealing with many of the same issues that we still deal with 2,000 years later. Uh, and and um, and now we're, we have worked through all of Paul's letters, we looked at James, and now we're looking at these letters from Peter, um, who, you know, prominent uh, people in the early church, and they're writing for us the things that are important to them in the process. And, Uh, All of them are writing, you know, uh, 30 years on in their journey, so to speak, with Jesus about because they they sort of waited to write a little because they thought Jesus was coming back. They initially didn't know that when he said he'd be back that it was going to be longer than, than, you know, like any time now. And uh, to get busy, and now they're like, hey, well, he hasn't come back, and we better start writing this stuff down. And so they recorded for us all there, um, within you know that, that first generation uh, of of people that were with Christ, uh, and uh, the canons recorded for us. And so Peter is, is writing the issues, and in in First Peter, um, the the sort of overall idea that's going on for Peter is, is how important it is that we live a life of holiness. That, that we're to live as God's holy people. And, and uh, you know, I said a lot of people struggle with that concept, and I think it's, it's been uh, uh, misunderstood at times what it looks like, that, that holiness is best displayed not by an outward adherence to rules and regulation and isolation, but Jesus demonstrated holiness as loving well. It's, it's about realizing that life is not all about me, it's not all about my wants, my rights, my perceived rights, my demands, my whatever that we might put in there, but, but really it's, it's a, about a life um, following after Him, uh, understanding that He's the source of life and that He wants us to have life um, beyond what we could really ever imagine and that we find that as we, as we decide to live in and for Him. And so Jesus really is uh, our model for what a holy life looks like, and and his life wasn't a life of isolation. He he it was a life of of active caring, and participating with people from all walks of life and all sorts of situations, loving them, um, accepting them, and then introducing them to the kingdom of God. And and that was you know that's what's modeled by Jesus, and that's what uh, this life of holiness. It's a big part of it. It's this love um, that that um, encourages people into the kingdom of God because because they're they understand at some level how amazing it is the that God is reaching towards them and uh and so he's he's made that point in in these first couple of chapters and we move into chapter three and he's now adding another picture of what holiness looks like and um he's going to talk about submission uh and and you need to understand going into this that that Jesus also models submission for us as part of holy living living and and he um, he does that by submitting to the will of the Father in the garden by submitting to the cross Um, Jesus models that for us and so what we need to understand when we talk about submission is that the way we view this as believers as people in Christ um, is is and should be completely different than the way that the, the current culture and the world um, perceives uh, and how they perceive submission. And and what the world sees, what the culture sees, is that um, the one in, a, in authority is exalted um, somehow above the, the one that's not in authority. And so one is exalted, if you would, and one is sort of debased. And um, in that mindset in the in the culture in the world a person's value then is determined by the position that they hold and that's how pretty much the world deals with things Um, but in the church it's not how it's supposed to be a person's value exists in christ not from the role they hold but because everybody has equal value and importance to god and so when we talk about submission in Christ, in the church, um, it's, it's not about power or position, it's about service. And, and when you look at it that way, it takes all of the negative mess out of it. Because um, 1 Peter chapter 3 will make some people feel immediately negative and defensive when we read it, um, because it, it seems like it's putting down a chunk of society, that in fact it's not. Because it's not about power and position, it's about service, and Jesus models it for us. And he says, I, I have not come to serve but to be served. And so um, the idea isn't to, to lord yourself over anybody in any role or to feel like you need to be you know subjected to someone, but the idea of submission is this idea of respect for God and for people that allows us to love well um, in the situations that come up. So, uh, I say all that to read First Peter 3 um, to you, and it's uh, 22 verses beginning in verse 1, and you, you can see as I read it how immediately there might be some pushback from the culture. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear husbands in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers finally all of you live in harmony with one another be sympathetic love as brothers be compassionate and humble do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult but with blessing because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom, he also, uh, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water, and this water symbolizes baptism, and now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, and is it God's right hand with angels, authorities and powers in submission to him and blessed be the word of the Lord. So again, there at the end, now you see the, the angels and the authorities and the powers are all in submission to Jesus. And Jesus was here. Um, he, he modeled submission. And so um, the, the idea the, of submission is and should never be a, a negative thing. Uh, it's, it's not about power. It's about service. And so then we understand, I think, what's happening in those first seven, eight, nine verses of 1 Peter in regards to, um, um, it, it talks about a wife being submissive to her husband and a husband being considerate of the wife. Um, and that in particular, in this instance, the wife was called to be um, in submission to a husband that wasn't yet a believer. Um, and he's saying that as you love them well, you have the opportunity to hopefully bring them to Christ. Um, Back in the culture of the day, if a husband were to come to Christ, pretty much the whole family would come. It would be expected that they would just go as he did. But it wasn't the same um, if the wife came. And and so the wife was to sort of love her husband into the kingdom um, by, by, you know, sort of demonstrating a changed life. And I think really that's the issue with all of us um, in our families, um, regardless of of gender. Um, The thing that impacts our families, I believe, is a changed life. Um, over time. I think they see that, and it, and it begins to um, have some impact on them, and then will hopefully open up avenues for us to share the good news with them uh, in the process. Uh, I remember, you know, in my own life, when I, when I first came to know Jesus, my family was not um, uh, Christian uh, in, their, in their belief at all. Um, you know, we're, we're probably uh, agnostic, in sort of their, their beliefs, you know, that there probably was a God, but, um, we didn't have to do much about that, he just was, I guess, so we never went to church or anything, and, uh, you know, when I first came to know Christ, um, I had that, that real radical sort of experience where, you know, that's all I could talk, that's still pretty much all I could talk about, but it was, (laughs) it was brand new, so it was in everybody's face all the time, and so, and I'm sure initially they just thought it was a phase, and so, you know, they, they would go, yeah, good for you, and then be kind of, dismissive or whatever over time. But, um, you know, over the a course of a life now, I've had lots of time to speak into my family at different spots because things change over time. It's obviously not a phase, you know, uh, 85, uh, 20, almost 30 years in. It's obviously not, you know, just a passing fancy, so to speak. So um, over time, and then, you know, obviously not living this thing perfectly because I haven't, but just living it and then, and trying to be kind as I can. We've seen a lot of our family ultimately come to Christ, but it's it, it's taken time, um, and uh, it's still a work in process. Um, so Peter's encouragement here, uh, and again, and, and then his encouragement, because this is another thing I think gets c- taken sometimes funny, to develop inner beauty doesn't mean that they they, they shouldn't or, or can't. Um, take care about how they look on the outside too. I mean, it's certainly not what he's saying. Um, what he's saying is that what's going on on the inside is more important. And that's true with all of us. What's going on in the inside is far more important than what's going on on the outside. It doesn't mean you don't worry about, or think about worry, but it doesn't mean that, you know, uh, uh, for all of us, you know, we, we get up and do our best. You know what I mean? <laughs> so sometimes this is as good as it gets, but, uh, but you work with it, you know? Um, but it's it's what's happening in here that's most important in all of our lives and and that's peter's point in the process true beauty begins on the inside and and, and proverbs 31 echoes that verse 30 charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting but a woman who fears the lord is to be praised that that change on the inside is what has the most impact in the lives of other, other people and um the idea of of submission the i the i the biblical ideal is certainly a mutual thing ephesians 5 21 says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, in um, those First Peter verses, it talks about the husband being considerate of his wife, uh, and, and th- that idea is in there, that, you know, in the same way, the husband should, should be considerate of their wives, and treat them with respect, and, you know, when it says the weaker partner there, that's not a, um, that's, that's not a slam either because remember I told you when we started in Christ we're all equal we all have equal value and importance in Jesus all of us do so it, 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 it tends to mean that, that you know um, oftentimes physically men are larger than women and, and that they need to understand that in the process and because of their um, uh, size shouldn't try and impose you know all, all their stuff in there it's, it's that kind of deal and in, if they get that way um, the fascinating connection there Because it doesn't happen very often. The connection that that Peter says, you know what happens? Their prayers are hindered. If you're not treating your spouse right, your prayers are hindered. That's not, I don't want my prayer, you know, there's a, (laughs) do you get what I mean? That's a biggie. You do not want your prayers being hindered, guys, ever. You know what I mean? You want the, the most direct shot you can get with your prayers happening all the time. So, um, so those verses there are really, that context, taking in the idea of service and not position or power, it, it really basically says, you know, we're to, we're to really go out of our way to love one another and to care about one another, because that's what Jesus did. And that's what, what Peter wants to see in, in the, the, the homes in, in the early church. Remember, too, in Christianity, um, women were just basically emancipated um, in, in huge ways from the oppression they'd been under. Um, and uh, you know previously and up until that point and so it was a huge deal that was going on big changes taking place so that's that part now moving on in First Peter 3 um, I want to pick it up in verse 8 uh, and, and talk about these verses from 8 to 11 I want to read you the message paraphrase so it's not in your notes but uh, I, I think it's good summing up be agreeable be sympathetic be loving be compassionate be humble that goes for all of you, no exceptions, no retaliation, no sharp-tongued sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job, to bless. You'll be a blessing and also get a blessing. Whoever wants to embrace life and see the day fill up with good, here's what you do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. Snub evil and cultivate good. Run after peace for all your worth. I like that uh, in the message, uh, that paraphrase that idea and there's a few main points from that that I want to talk about first it says to be agreeable it says we need to be agreeable and that's a pretty good spot to come from in life start trying to be agreeable my, my wife used to tell me this thing and, and she's quit saying it now I hope she doesn't remember it um, but she used to say you're being combative the problem is there's no right answer <laughs> because if you say no I'm not you're stuck Because she goes, yeah, see, there it is. (laughs) I used to go, uh, uh, because it it would be like, if you say anything, you're being combative. This wasn't fair. She seems to have forgotten it, so hopefully he doesn't watch this show. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But if she does, I'll hear it. Oh, yeah, you're being combative. Um, But sometimes, uh, you know, she says it because I'm usually being combative. Do you ever... (laughs) I mean, it's just the way it is, and then I deny it, but sometimes, have you ever just felt combative? Do you ever just get sort of like in a mood where it's not, you, you just, you're not going to be agreeable, and, and uh, it just happens sometimes, and we need to be aware of it, because it's not a good spot to be. Sometimes, I don't know what that happens. Sometimes it's just, I'm sure it's like an oppressive thing or something, but you're just getting picked at, and like, yeah, you're, you're just not going to, but, but Peter says, look, really work on being agreeable. Uh, Romans 12:16. Paul chimes in with this: "Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. So be agreeable." And then uh, Peter says to be sympathetic. I like that. Um, be sympathetic. And and really, when I when I think about being sympathetic, um, mostly what that means to me is really um, taking time to listen well. That that's what it means to be really sympathetic really means that. We, we live in, again, I've, I've talked about this in a world where nobody listens very well. We are all on broadcast and, and we don't, we've lost the idea of how to listen. Um, we, we sort of, in a conversation one-on-one, we're basically just waiting for the other person to hit that spot where they draw a breath and then it's our turn, until we run out of breath and then it's their turn and no one is really listening at all. Um, but to be sympathetic means we really Really work on listening well. James gives us this advice. We looked at this in chapter one, verse nineteen. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. To me, that's that sort of is a picture of being sympathetic, which we're called to be. Peter also calls us to be loving. To be loving. That should just be what should coming from us. We're spending lots of time talking about that. On the weekends, we're to be a loving people. We're to be a compassionate people. Um, you know, we're to care about what other people are going through. It's not all about us. Um, it's, it's all about Him. I, you know, and I, I, whenever I say it's not all about us, I, I do want to always add this thing. It's some about us. It's, all, you know, it's just not all about us, and that's the difference. It's some about us, though which is good, because it is some about us. You know, all the stuff that He's done is some about it. But He wants us to realize that He'll take care of that part if we just really press into what He's looking for and be these things. We're also to be humble is another um, big deal. You know, just being humble, um, being uh, uh, open, uh, not trying to hide everything, uh, not wearing masks, not pretending, being humble. Just, I don't have it all figured out. I don't, I, I, I don't want to present like I have it all figured out because I don't. Um, that, that's part of humility in our lives. And, and then um, he goes on in those verses and, and ultimately what he's saying, I'll summarize for it, is, is we're to be a blessing. Um, in this world, we're really to be a blessing. First um, Thessalonians 5.11 Paul says you know, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing really that's our job is what it says in the message paraphrase to be a blessing we're to, we're to be a blessing in the world around us to um, believers and non-believers alike to the people we're in contact with we're to try and bless them verses 16 and 17 I like this because um, he, here's the thing people are going to talk about you what they will um, but, but, but my advice is don't give them any extra ammunition so, how do we, we live by trying to do the next right thing? Pe- you know people are going to talk, but just don't just don 't <laughs> hand them a bucket full of ammunition by not not doing the best that you can in your life. No one perfect, but let 's keep trying to do the next right thing and then there some sort of uh, in verses eighteen through twenty uh, there 's a lot of different ideas about what 's going on in there in those verses and, and uh, a lot of really um, all over the place opinions about what was saying. Um, what, what's being said in those verses and, you know, it, it, some people think that, that those verses are saying that Jesus actually descended into hell. Other people seem to think that um, it has to do with uh, way, you know, some sort of reference to Noah um, in the, because he's brought up in there, you know, and sort of in the spirit of Christ ministering those people. There's a lot of different ideas. Um, you know, I'll, I'll read you the verses. Because Christ also suffered for sins once, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which he also went and preached to the spirits in prison. And that's that, that That verse has just unsettled a lot of people. Um, you know, did he, did he go to, to hell or Hades and liberate the spirits that had been held there previous to his incarnation? Or, um, you know, First Peter 3.19 leaves lots of sort of room for interpretation. You know, the, the lost spirits really could sort of be referring to lost people in this world. Um, so there's a lot of different ideas. So we're not sure. Uh, and every once in a while we hear a verse like that where there, there's multiple sort of interpretations. Um, but, you know, take away always from a verse, you know, what you can. And, and one of the things I take away from that chunk of scripture is that the overall tenor of it is that the good news of salvation and victory is just not limited anywhere. Um, and that's, I can take that from the verse and be very happy about it. That the good news of the gospel is good and it sets people free. And, and uh, I'm, I'm extremely excited about that. Then the last couple of verses, uh, it talks about baptism a little bit. And, and you know, when we're baptized, um, we're, we're identifying with Jesus' death and resurrection. And it's not the ceremony that saves us. Um, it's an external evidence of something that we've already done on the inside which is confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. Um, baptism is something, though, that, that having done that, having confessed with our hearts and, and, and uh, confessed with our mouths and believed in our hearts, we need to be baptized because it's, a, it's an external picture and symbol of that which is taking place internally. Um, so that needs to happen. But, um, but sort of Peter brings that up to make sure that's important and we understand it in, in this bigger context. And that's pretty much it. Uh, First Peter 3, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, but uh, that's sort of an overview. We'll be in the uh, fourth chapter next week, but we're good for now. If you're watching my video or on television, thank you very much for this time that you spent with us. We know valuable your time is come and visit us sometime. We'd love to have you here. And if you need prayer, go to our website at keysvineyard.com, find the prayer page, and you can send us prayer, and we will absolutely pray for you. But that's it for now.